HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, and today we're going to be talking about an endangered species. No, not a particular animal, unless you think of it that way, but we're talking about traditional Italian cuisine. Is it endangered? When was the last time you took a trip to Italy, if you were so fortunate to do so? Did you try to find that little mom-and-pop trotteria? Did you find it? Are women at home cooking? the dishes that their grandmothers, probably not even grandmothers, but maybe great-grandmothers cooked? Well, today's guest, Julia Della Croce, has been actually devoting a lot of her lifetime writing and teaching to really preserving the traditional Italian cuisine. And she has written many cookbooks on Italian. She's one of America's foremost authorities on Italian food. She's a cooking teacher and an author of over 13 cookbooks and travel books, which have been translated into many other languages and distributed around the world. Some of the books are the classic Italian cookbook, the pasta book, Pasta Classica, Italian home cooking, and I think I'm sensing a theme here, Julia. (laughs) You are Uh, indeed. Her teaching and books have garnered her quite a few awards. Um, Notably, the James Beard Foundation gave her award for one of America's best cooking teachers. She was a co-honoree for Contribution to the Literature of Italian Cuisine by the Italian Embassy, James Beard nominations. But one thing that really caught my attention were two awards from the French. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Diplôme d'Honneur for for French language translation of uh, La Bonne Cuisine Italienne and the Salon International um, Award for the Best Italian Cuisine Book. Now, for, I say that because the French, we all know the French are so proprietary about 
the best cooking in the world must be French. For them to give you an award for an Italian cookbook, that's really saying something. Welcome to the show, Julia. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And I have to say about that particular award, I was really surprised (laughs) when I got that. In fact, I didn't even know I was up for the award. It just arrived in the mail, this diploma, very fancy, seal and everything. And I thought, really? I had no idea it was even happening. <laughs> well, but that shows you it must have been a very good book <laughs> for them you. to do that. Well, you've, you have written and you still do write for many publications, food publications, and um, the, the New York Times um, occasionally, and now more recently a regular contributor to I'm Zester. I'm a regular contributor to Zester yeah, Daily, and, and, which I love. And I will tell you that whenever your articles and recipes appear, the photographs are (laughs) (laughs) mouth-watering. Well, I have to give my husband credit for a lot of those. He takes them and a lot of them on location. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have some really great photographers on on my, on board. Well, that's terrific. You know, um, with with all of this talk about um, Italian home cuisine or traditional Italian cuisine kind of falling by the wayside, uh, tell us... Define that a little bit more for us, what you mean. Um, Do you mean the traditional Italian recipes found in restaurants or the the Italian home cooking? And how does that differ? Well, you know, Italian cooking really is um, home cooking. The traditions I'm talking about began in the home, um, not in the restaurants. The restaurants just carried out the recipes that, that you would find in the home and the best home cooking, best cooking in Italy was always found in the homes where people spent a great deal of time doing it. Um, The concept of the restaurant is really a relatively modern concept in Italy, unlike in France, where it was very different. Um, A restaurant cuisine developed and was very formal in France. That never happened in Italy. Mm -hmm. Food in Italy has been much more informal. So that's where you would go to find really great food, and, and that's where you would find the traditions. Unfortunately, and I, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately because, you know, it's changed a great deal largely um, because women aren't at home cooking the way they used to be. I mean, Nonna was always at home cooking. She was up at 5 o'clock in the morning, literally, making the gnocchi and the fresh pasta and so on. Women are now at working, um, being doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. You know, they're not, they're not doing that. And so, you know, that's, that's one of the factors that has contributed to what I really see as a kind of loss of, of a lot of the traditions. Um, and a lot of it is also a fascination since World War II um, with everything American. Right. Uh, as we know, American fashion, and uh, we're fascinated with them, they're fascinated with us. And so, you know, they have American restaurants there, and they're, they're fascinated with American chefs. Um, and the other thing that's happened is that Italian... Uh, young Italian, uh, you know, chefs are very interested in Italian food, and they don't want to cook what their grandmothers cooked. They are, they want to cook their own food, and they want to make interesting food. And so, when you go into the restaurant in Italy today, whether you're in Bologna or whether you're in Sicily, you are often eating what I consider nouvelle cuisine. Right, and and that was that's something that's why I mentioned, you know, at the opening. If anyone has recently been there looking for that old mom and pop trattoria, because they're, they are hard to find. There aren't that many, you know, you, there are several that you have to know about, and they're tucked away, but um, mostly in residential neighborhoods, not, yes. and not, you know, in, in, you know, the main city centers. 
And you're right. True. You're right. Who wants to go travel all those miles and eat the same food that you exactly. can eat at home? You exactly. know, in New York City or, or Chicago or wherever you know else. You you want you want that cultural switch. You, know? you do. Yes, they are hard to find. And sometimes, you know, I'm traveling in, in somewhere that that isn't, you know, a kind of main road in Italy, and I'll pull off somewhere and they see a trattoria, and I go in and I'll, you know, order something, and some gnocchi, say, will come out, and they look gorgeous, and they're plated beautifully, and they're chefed up. And I go, oh, you know, my heart kind of sinks. Not that it doesn't taste good, but, you know, no, this isn't what I thought I was going to get. This yeah, is not what I really right. want. You know, the food gets very chefed up right. when it becomes professional food. There's a di- big difference between home cooking and professional cooking. And it's the home cooking I'm talking about, which is at the foundation of Italian cuisine. It, you know, those are where the traditions are. And that's that's where, you know where all of the, 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 the food fantasy is coming from. It's based in it, but it, it's, it's now so far flung. You know, it's so exaggerated. It's become so creative in, you know, in the professional sphere that it's no longer recognizable right. as Italian. Cooking. Well, and it's almost the antithesis of what traditional Italian cuisine is all about. Well, precisely. And what traditional Italian cooking is all about is about two things. It's about the ingredients, and of course, the ingredients are local because that everything was local historically. Where else was it from? People cooked what they grew in their backyards. They, they used the cheeses they made themselves or that were being made in that area of, of their province. Um, and, and so it gave a very particular character to the food. So wherever you went in Italy, you would find unique kinds of cooking and unique dishes and, and, and unique, you know, unique foods as well, and unique kinds of um, uh condiments and other ingredients which were very provincial and even more than provincial you would find dishes that were very specific to a village mm-hmm. i was in emilia romagna years ago when i was researching my first book and i i was i, I always get it have gotten a lot of my material at the local markets and i went to a woman i was telling her that i you know really would uh, wanted to learn um, different ways of making tor- uh, tortellini, and she says to me, "Well, the, you know, it's a good thing you're here, because this is really where you'll find the best tortellini." Um, I was in Ferrara, actually, I, and I was going to say that's <laughs> I, that's where I had the best tortellini. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? So yeah. I said, "Oh, okay. Um, well, can you tell me about it?" So she told me how she made. She told me how she made it, and she said, "But the thing is, here's the secret: you 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 have to put a little bit of salami." In with the with the mortadella and the veal and you know all the, all the meats and the and the and the, and the parmigiano and the filling, but she said it has to be the salami from Ferrara. No other salami, it, only that one. And I thought, oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, it was amazing. It was delicious. But she was very very adamant about that that it had to be that particular salami. They only made it in that in that town, you know. So um, you know, food was delicious. And that those local foods are so delicious when you find them. And they're delicious in a different kind of way than professional cooking is. They are different. You know, you kind of, you kind of taste the spirit of a people in that. In a you, different you, can, you're right, you can take that recipe back, right? Back home and make it. But well, I did indeed. It's in my book. But eating <laughs> but, it, but you say you, you tasted the spirit. Yes. Of so eating yes. it on the spot. When you eat it, it on there, the spot. That's yeah. right. And, uh, you know, that goes for wine, too. Yeah, you course. know, 
yesterday I was at Vino, uh, at Vino 2015, sponsored by the Italian Trade Commission, a, a big expo of Italian wines, and people were saying, you know, oh, well, everything, t- you know, the wine is different here, it tastes so different when you're in Italy. Well, we all know this. You know, it doesn't travel. These foods don't don't travel. We can make them here. And I have to say that because I want everyone to know that they can make, you know, these wonderful foods, uh, these traditional foods of Italy at home. And I have been writing about them for 30 years and they're all in my books. But, you know, what I am saying, you're asking me, what is this food that I'm talking about that's disappearing? This is the food that you find in those places. And, and it does have the spirit of those places in them and the, and the spirit of people who are making them and who are making the, you know, the local salumi and everything else. And the oil, you know, the local oil, um, it's, it's something that we don't want to lose. Right. And it's something that we do want to preserve, just like we want to preserve the, cult, the cultural artifacts and we want to preserve the, you know, the historical monuments. We want to preserve that food. You know, I also have to say that it's not that food can't change because food has always changed. You know, we don't want to be eating the way the Italians were eating during the Renaissance. No. You know, no, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there are certain traditions that we do want, you know, to keep and, and that are the basis of, of that food that everyone loves so much. That's the most popular food in America and one of the most popular foods in the it, world. It's is amazing. It is, food. And you ask anyone, you know, like, what is their go-to cuisine or dish for the, you know, if they, if they when they're, t- when they're worn out of eating other foods and say, oh, let's just have some pasta tonight. Let's yes. have Italian. I mean, that's always people sort of, it's their fallback mode because it it's is. comfort food. It is. You know? And what is it? What is it about that food? You know, I think a lot of it is the olive oil. And I also think it's the simplicity of the That's food. That's what I wanted to get to. You, 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 you were going to say a couple of keys. One key was the ingredients. Yes. They have to be the finest ingredients, the freshest ingredients. And the other thing that I was going to add to that was the skill. So we're talking about the skill of a of, of a homemaker who today would be a grandmother, probably more... Probably yeah, a most likely a great a great grandmother. Yes, grandmothers are they, they went back to work. You know, that's right. Yeah. But if you were in Puglia and you were to find one of those women, and sometimes you find them in the in the back in the back of the kitchen making the orecchiette by hand, mm-hmm. the speed which which with which they make those those little shapes, and the perfection of each one. Is just some. It's phenomenal, and the only way that happens is because they've been practicing it for fifty, sixty years, right. and and you know that's an art. I mean, that really is an art. It is. So yeah. it's the skill, it's the ingredients, and it's the skill. But you know, I think one of the things that makes Italian food taste so good is that there's so few ingredients in that's a dish. the simplicity. Because you mentioned simplicity, yes. and I think that's true. Not saying that it's simple food. And, and no. because it takes that skill, but they don't mask those fine ingredients. That's right. It's the harmony of those things. It's those few things that you do put together. And it's also amazing how throughout Italy, wherever you go, you know, as you know, because you've lived in Italy, the food is different from region to region, of course, mm-hmm. because all of those those 20 regions were once different, different countries. I mean, until... 150 until 1861 we were talking about different countries within the italian boot right. now all of all of those those countries are regions so they all had their their own cuisines and so the food really does differ a lot but nevertheless there's something that ties it together and i think one of the things that ties it together whether we're talking about you know a dish in piemonte that's you know you know uh, uh, that has 
more France in it because they're closer to France, or whether we're talking about the Polenta, you know, in, in Venice, or whether we're talking about the Orecchiette in Puglia, I think is a certain sense of what things work together and, and the harmony of things working together. You know, and I think that's the beauty of the cuisine. It's different from other cuisines where it's not about the harmony. You know, in French cooking, it's about putting many, many things together and distilling it into a different essence, a different flavor that's unique, and you don't, you can't even necessarily tell what it is. Right. And it's delicious, but you don't know what it is necessarily. You know, it's a different, it's a different concept. Right. I think the Italian is, it's, it's very, it's organic. You know, it's right. simple. It's tied to the land, and and that's you know. That's also the beauty of it. I think we're going in that direction now in this country. I mean, everybody, we have learned from the Italians. We, you know, our chefs go there, as you know. They learn those, those how to make the pasta, how to make all, all of the dishes. They come back here and, they're, and the salumi and so on, and they're fascinated by it. And they've, they've learned from those simple artisans. Um, and we're fascinated by that. Everything's about that now, local and fresh ingredients and local and sustainability. And when we talk about things disappearing in Italy, these foods disappearing in Italy, they're going in the opposite direction. Right. You know, and it's because of global globalization. It's because of the fascination with America and, 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 and the global influences. And I see it everywhere. You know, I was in Puglia last summer, and I, there was a little grocery store near where, I, where, I, where, my, where the house was where I was staying. And we just went to go some staples and go to get some staples. And I was going to cook something. And, of course, I need parsley. I always need parsley. Parsley is in everything. You can't cook without parsley if you cook Italian food. So I go to the local grocery store, and I said to them, well, you know, can you send me the parsley? I couldn't find it. And the the uh, manager comes over, and he said, oh, uh, oh, parsley. Hmm. Oh, I don't know if we have any parsley. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what? No parsley. He said, oh, here. He said, go to the back. The butcher's in the back. Talk to the butcher. I think, yeah, he has parsley. So I go to the back. This is an amazing story. I go to the back, and there's the, the meat case. And there's parsley, sure enough. It's using it's being used for garnish as decoration around this display of what was marked Bocconcini di Pollo. And I'm going, oh, what's that? Do you know what that was? That was chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> They weren't selling the parsley. They were selling, selling chicken nuggets. nuggets. Right. And I was I was stunned. I was very upset. And so he said, oh, here, I'll give you some. He gives it to me for free, some parsley. I go up to the counter. I bought some other things. And right next to the cash register is a display, five tiers high, of Pringles. Oh. And I thought, oh, my God, here I am in this little town in Puglia that no one ever goes to. It's off the, off the tourist track. I can't find parsley, but I can find all the Pringles I want. <laughs> well, I know some people may complain and say, well, what do you want to do? Hold us back into the Middle Ages? Why don't you know? You want you keep wanting to come to Italy and you keep wanting to eat those old-fashioned foods. You know, no, we're about progress. We're about new things. And and perhaps that's true. We You know, it, it, it's a soft spot for us. But I see that you have, you have a valid concern about preserving a tradition and and a skill as you called it right and, and you know for this to be lost as a type of food yes we have chefs here in america who are doing these things who have learned it but it's interesting i i interviewed one young woman from italy who's working with uh various chefs who are so wrapped up in nouvelle cuisine but now they're looking to the classics and i mean back to you know the pre to the renaissance to um Bartolomeo Scappi yes. and, and some of their cookbooks to find research to research and find recipes and hints for what cooking might have been then 
rather than just going back about 50 years. Yes. Well, the traditions are so rich. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to find, yeah. you know. Um, it's just a it's, a, it's a, it's a treasure. It's, it's an extraordinary country in yeah. many ways. The well, art is extraordinary. And, and you have, and you have voiced so beautifully what, what there is and what's important to preserve. And I want to talk to you about some of these specific recipes after we come back from a short break. Okay. You are listening to Shadow Puppets by Odetta Hartman. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Hi, we're back, and I'm speaking with Giulia Della Croce about what else? Italian cooking. And my mouth is watering, Giulia. We are <laughs> sitting here at Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, and I'm looking forward to having some good Italian pizza. Oh, I'm looking forward to show. it, too. <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about were um, the, some of these classic dishes that you're referring to. You, you mentioned um, orecchiette and tortellini, and, and but... If you were to to describe to somebody who was not really familiar with the different regions, with different cultures, what what is what are some of the classic Italian dishes? Well, you know, there's really no such thing as Italian food, as you know. There's such a thing as Neapolitan food and, and, and the Sicilian food and Sardinian food and the food of Emilia-Romagna and the food of Umbria and so on. So... Although I wrote a book about classic Italian cooking, it was a collection of regional dishes because Italy is regional. Right. Even if you were to ask an Italian where they're from, they're not going to say they, they won't tell you I'm Italian. They'll say, "Oh, you know, I'm from Campobasso, or I, 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 I'm from Rome." All right. Uh, and the same is true for the food. Um, so, in terms of some of those cl- classic dishes, oh, certainly we can talk about something that is universal. There are certain universal dishes, such as um, ragu. In Bologna, ragu is what is it? It's a it's a, it's a braise. It's a it's a meat braise. Uh, in Bologna, it's very different than it is in in Naples. But it's that's a classic. In Bologna, it has more meat broth in it and less tomato. When you the further south you go, the more tomato there is in the ragu. Um, so that when you get to Naples, there's a lot of tomato and more pork. And when you're in Emilia Romagna, there's there's veal and there's beef and there's pork and there's prosciutto, and, you know. So there are variations on the theme, and then I'm sure there are endless variations on the theme of ragu. So, but a ragu is certainly one of those classic things, um, dishes, um, and there are some universal 
Italian dishes. Tagliatelle, you do find it everywhere, even though egg pasta is, you know, is, is, is a food of the north. Mm-hmm. initially. The further south you go in Italy, the fewer egg there is in the pasta. So that by the time you get down to the heel of the boot, Puglia, there's no egg in the fresh pasta. Orecchiette has no egg. When you're up in the north, in, in Emilia Romagna, the home of fresh pasta, there's a lot of egg in it. And when you're in Ravenna, for example, there's only egg yolk. There's no egg white. So it's very rich. Um, so but there are some universal foods. But as I said, food is very regional in Italy, even now, even with all the glo- glo- global influences, when we talk about Italian food, we're talking about regional food, regional right. dishes. Right. Um, and, and interesting, um, a lot of times people will go to an Italian restaurant and there'll be a dish that has a name that sounds classic, but it will be after perhaps the person, the chef, the mother yes. who developed that recipe. And people will say, oh, well, what's Tagliatelle alla... Federico and I said, <laughs> I, I have no idea. They would ask me, and I'm saying, I, I can't. I have right. no idea. You know, this these are recipes that you know are tweaked a little bit by each home cook, and then they develop their own recipe. Which brings me to the um, discussion of authenticity. It's become kind of a controversial buzzword lately. Um, when a recipe is what is really authentic, and if if you make it because you are an Italian and and have studied at a particular location, learned that recipe at that location, you make it precisely of those ingredients, is it authentic? If I've been making it for 25 years but my own way, does that make it not authentic, even though it is still the base dish, but, you know, with a few tweaks? Talk to me about your feelings about authenticity. Well, that's a very difficult question to mm. answer, actually when you ask me, you know, what, what is considered authentic? Um, because food is very personal, right. um, especially, as I said, especially in Italy. You don't have uniformity, a way of doing something like you do in France. Um, but I think we could say that what makes it authentic is, again, let's go back to the ingredients. Are we using, is it pecorino? Or is it some other cheese? Or mm-hmm. are we using Parmigiano Reggiano? Or are we using so-called Parmesan? What is that? What is Parmesan? That's not <laughs> Parmigiano. <laughs> then it's not authentic. It's not to say not to say that it doesn't. It's not good, but then don't say that it's something. It's not. So we can say that. We can say that something. You know, uh, if it says that it's something with gorgonzola, it should be from gorgonzola. But you know, we have stolen. Americans, and not just Americans, you know, um, foreigners have stolen these cheeses and these products from Italy. They have, they call all kinds of other cheeses Parmesan. We have a gorgonzola made in Wisconsin that is nothing like gorgonzola and shouldn't be called gorgonzola any any more than champagne should be called champagne anywhere outside of champagne. In fact, the Italian Trade Commission has just been... um Kind of waging their own little, not little battle, but they have been waging, you know, a battle on uh, on rights to right. call these cheeses and well, other they have products. been, yeah. but it's very difficult because it requires a lot of money to win those battles. Mm-hmm. And the reason that Parmigiano Reggiano won that battle, they had that little copyright symbol after Parmigiano Reggiano, is because it's a very wealthy co-op, uh, you know, cooperative, cooperative. And, and a consortio, and they invested a huge amount of money, and they actually 
went through the legal process of doing that. It's not every consortio that can do that and who has the money to do that. I mean, a lot of them, you know, need to stay alive by selling their cheeses abroad. They don't have the the, 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 the legal means. To, I mean, they don't to spend their money, you know, to, to protect their copyright is not where, you know, their money can go. But, but yeah, I mean, that's really a problem that we think mozzarella is all kinds of things mm-hmm. that it's not. Um, and those things should be protected because it's really copyright theft. It's like stealing someone's song, right. you know, or, or yeah. someone's or, or someone's work of art. It yeah. is that. But I mean, some people go even so far as I, mean, I exaggerated on the authentic um, qualities of, res- of recipes, but uh, taking polenta from the north, and if somebody makes it down south, is it? authentic polenta i mean see that that's that's what is bothering yeah, me you that know, people it, are, are carrying it a little too far i think probably people are carrying it too far because they're looking at it in a kind of academic way mm-hmm. um but it's a very difficult concept to 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 define um as i said i think you know we can say it's you know if you're using authentic ingredients um then it's authentic. I mean, even if you're making a, a spaghetti aglio olio, which is spaghetti with olive oil and, and garlic, if you're making it, you know, with Italian imported Italian pasta and Italian olive oil, then you're making an authentic Italian dish, even if you're making it in Brooklyn, right. wherever you're making it. We could say that's authentic. Yeah. Well, you run a cooking school um, yes. in August in, in, in Umbria? In Betone, in Umbria. And... Um, and I teach Umbrian cooking. There. I was going to say, so do you teach? You teach only authentic Umbrian cooking because you're cooking with the ingredients of Umbria. Right? Yes, well, that's why. Well, I in 2001, I actually came out with a book on Umbria, and I have spent a lot of time in Umbria, and it's very close to my heart. Um, and Umbria has some really beautiful cheeses and and olive oil, exquisite olive oil, and wonderful ingredients. So yes, I mean, I do teach people how to cook Umbrian food because that those are the ingredients I'm using. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I wouldn't dare called an Umbrian cooking school if I was the only one who was teaching. Um, locals are teaching. I teach some of the classes, but local people who are renowned for their cooking are also teaching. We go to you know their, their kitchens or their places and we cook with them and we go um, find the local olive oil, really good olive oils. We have so many great olive oils in Umbria. And wine tastings and so on. And also a lot of what, what our tour, you know, my, my classes and tour um, is about is about things other than food because it's the culture it is. That, that enriches the food and, and, you know. Flavors it, yes. Yeah, so that's important too. We shouldn't only be about food. Right. Um, food is very much a part of the rest of the culture, which is so rich. But food so often for people is a way to get back to that culture or a way yes. to get back to family. And, in fact, you did a really lovely little piece um, with NPR about reconstructing a lost recipe. Yes. And, <laughs> and a, a lot has been written about lost you know, lost recipes and, and finding them. But you actually kind of reconstructed for this family who could taste their grandmother's dish. Tell us a little. Yes. I think it, it's, it bears repeating, and, yes. and, and I, I would love to hear Well, it's you funny, you know, it was it. A, the, 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 the show, it was called Lost Recipes, and, and we were trying to get it off the ground at NPR, but part of, the, uh, part of the problem was that it was kind of very hard to track down some of these recipes, and uh, although I was able to actually do them, and the people who you talked to who were trying to find them were not very often willing to talk because they were shy, they're right. not used to being on radio or something, so um, we, we, should, we should try to do more of them, but that was a really interesting one. Someone called and said, you know, I've been 
trying to reproduce a recipe that my grandmother used to make of a kind of ravioli, and it had rice and meat and spinach in the filling. And I thought, that's really interesting. I have never tasted that, had that anywhere. I mean, I've been all over every, you know, corner of Italy, or a lot of them, not every one, but I thought, that's very unusual. And so I decided I had to track it down. And so I went to my sources, and I asked, you know, a lot of people, and I went to my library. I have a vast library of cookbooks that goes back 30 years more. Talk, and, 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 and I finally found out where it came from. Well, it turned out that it was Tuscan. And she kept saying, well, things like, you know, I can't get the cheese right. I mean, my grandmother said she used to use pecorino. And so I, you know, I, I, I keep making pecorino, but it doesn't taste good, doesn't taste right. And, and it just isn't the same. And anyway, so I thought, okay, if she's from Tuscany, she's not using pecorino romano. Because what we get here is the aged pecorino romano, mm-hmm. which is very sharp and tangy and, and, you know, a very, it has its charms, but it's a very simple, salty cheese. And I thought, no, that wouldn't be the right cheese for the filling. And then, of course, Tuscany is known for its wonderful sheep cheeses. And you would have probably used a younger cheese, not a, not an aged pecorino romano. So, you know, we, so that was one thing. But in any case, the more research I did, the more I realized that that her mother, grandmother, the region she came from, was probably largely influenced by Liguria, which was not so far in, in the next region. Right, the and they, Liguria loves to stuff everything. <laughs> they stuff vegetables. They stu- I mean, they, they're, they, are, they are masters of stuffing. And they use a lot of rice in their stuffing, some of their stuffings, vegetable stuff. So I thought, well, you know, it's probably close to the Ligurian, you know, border because it has rice in the, in, in the ravioli. So, in fact, I went, I found out of the cuisine of that area, and in fact, that ro- the ravioli did come from an area closer to Liguria. And I remade the recipe at home. I, I developed the recipe at home, and she tried it, and she said, that's it. That's the that's She the could dish. taste her grandmother's ravioli. That was it. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because that, you say we shouldn't, be all about food, but that but that simple dish probably dredged up so many wonderful memories for her, and it brought her back and closer to her family. Just tasting that that original dis- dish that you were able to put together for her. Well, it does yeah. do that for yeah. us, doesn't it? Yeah. What's it does when, transpo- when people travel and and um, far away from home? What's the one thing that they miss the most? You know, their favorite food. That's probably. right. Yeah. It does transport you. Yeah. It's more than a component of its parts. That's right. Food is. That's right. Something definitely worth preserving. Absolutely. Now, how in particular? You're, all right, you're writing all these books, and you're and you're researching the recipes, and you're you're putting this down, codifying this this traditional cuisine for us, if you will. And how can we how can we help? What can we do to you know buy your books? <laughs> I, I I think what we need to do is. I think I think education is mm-hmm. what we need to we need to educate and we need to write about it um, because that's how we can preserve it um, and we need to talk about it. People talk about Italian food and you know um, want to learn about Italian food. I think that these these traditional foods should be talked about in cooking schools, and I don't I don't know if they are. In fact, I don't, you know, I think they often are not. They're not part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. You get techniques now, you know, which is um, important. If you're, if you're doing professional cooking, those things are important. Um, but I think that the history of Italian food and these traditions should also be taught in the cooking schools. Um, I'm talking about professional cooking schools. Right. Right. And also 
amateur cooking schools. Mm-hmm. I think education is part, and writing about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I I applaud you for your efforts. And, Thank you. Because I think it's very important too, and it's and it is, you know, a lot of people. Um, that's what they go, and as I said in the top of the show, that's what they go to find. They go to find these these classic dishes that they, you know, that come to, to represent Italian cooking for many people outside of Italy. Yes. And yes. And I think that that's a very important um, part of the culture to preserve. And I thank you so much You're for so writing about it, for sharing your thoughts, and yeah. for being here with me thank today. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. Right. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. This has been A Taste of the Past, and I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. The theme song for A Taste of the Past has been provided by Bohemia. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.